Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, so my name's James Cameron, and I'm uh, the chief executive of Mission Motorsport, the Forces Motorsport charity. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello, and welcome to this week's Driven Chat podcast. My name is John Marker, and I am recording as ever in one of the bedrooms at Caffeine and Machine. But this week, I'm flying solo. We have no Andy J. We have no Amy Shaw. It's just me and some car background noises. But it's not just me, obviously, because we have a guest, as you've just heard from. We have a gentleman who I've now known. In fact, I was trying to do the, I was trying to do the maths on this on the drive here, and I purposefully didn't put too much thought into it because I thought we could try and break it down together. Wow. I, I have yeah. sat with me, Jim Cameron. You introduced yourself as James, but I've known you forever as Jim. Yeah. In fact, when I first met you, I think you were either Captain Jim or Major Jim. Yeah, I think it might have been Captain. It yeah. was quite a while ago. It must be at least 10 years. Yeah, no, it's it comfortably, mate, it's a lot longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot longer than that, which is which is kind of terrifying to think about, isn't it? Anyway, and now I've been lured into a bedroom by you. I know. It's only taken me... 13 years. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> and you got me here because you promised Amy Shaw. That's it. I know. And where's Amy? Do you know where Amy actually is? She's training her new dog. Oh, that's so She's cool. just got a collie. That's the best thing ever. Yeah. So she, she is excused for that reason. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, Brian, my dog, is not here with us today. Oh, yes, of course. Brian. Brilliant little Brian. Brian is, Brian is great. But I came here in a stupid car, which Brian, well, probably wouldn't be that bothered about. But, but the owners of the very stupid car probably would be if I put a Staffordshire Bull Terrier in it. So. 
<laughs> well, we'll mention the uh, we'll, we'll mention that very special car because that is definitely ultimately it's the reason we're here today, isn't it? To talk about that special car and perhaps a few other things. Sure. Um, but let's give a quick um, a quick introduction to you and and who you are and what you do. You say you're the um, God, what's the job title now? I can't remember. CEO. So CEO. I'm the yeah, yeah. CEO I, of I, Mission Motorsport. I run the Forces Motorsport charity. Fantastic. Which um, I mean, it, it, terrifyingly, was is nearly ten years old, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm confident that yeah. Oh God, we, yeah. We yeah, yeah, exactly. You were still in uniform. Yeah, right. no, absolutely. So I, I was still in uniform ten years ago. I was still in uniform just about sort of nine and a half years, or nine or ten, eight years ago, I think. Yeah. Crikey. Anyway, so it, um, Mission Motorsport was formed. As the Forces Motorsport Charity, 1st of March 2012. So we're just approaching our 10th anniversary or sort of decade of, of delivery, which is is really quite terrifying to consider, really. Mm. You wonder where the last 10 years has, has gone past in such a blur. And it was founded, really, because I, I uh, was a bit broken, I think, as a result of um, a sort of accumulation of... of tours and time away and a collection of other stuff so i've got two kids and uh so it's holly's birthday today she's 11 it was tom's birthday who's 15 um and both of them are kind of walking reminders of you know for holly sort of last time i was in afghanistan Mm -hmm. she was born when i was out there uh and tom um uh, you know similarly again you know and i was away Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I served for 17 years and I, you know, did a chunk of operational tours during that time. But it was the, the last time I was out there was commanding the armoured group in Afghanistan, in Helmand province, mm-hmm. in 2010 into 2011. And I've always, and I've, I've always used my, because I'm a massive petrol head and always have been, um, uh, and used those military connections in a motorsport audience or motorsport connections in a military audience to kind of raise money for... Uh, for charity mm-hmm. um, and of course service charities sort of featured quite highly throughout my career so you know and we did everything from turn Bovington tank tracks which most famously and recently used as the the venue for Formula E's that's right yeah um, uh, what did they call it the, the Jurassic the Jurassic Coast um, yeah it's not Formula E is it it's the um, uh, Extreme E Extreme E yeah absolutely yeah. so the Jurassic competition because they're looking around desperately going you know I really hope it isn't foggy when this happens and of course <laughs> It was massively foggy when it happened. <laughs> um, but there are um, tank tracks there as well, which aren't off-road. They're, they're concrete tank tracks, which we turned into probably the world's most dangerous track day venue. <laughs> um, uh, I think that was something like back in 2008 or 2009 mm. in order to go and run, run an event there at that time. And I've always used that to raise money for service charities. When I came back from Afghanistan in 2011, um, uh, had a lot of people who'd been impacted. Yeah. And both the obvious sort of amputees that everybody kind of thinks about when we think about sort of that era of Iraq and Afghanistan. But it was um, not just them, but it was the the families and also um, some of those that you just see struggling with mental health and just being a bit worn out and worn down and depleted, yeah. really, as much as... And, of course, um, any kind of sport can be wonderful and restorative and healing and, you know, turn people's lights on. Mm. And uh, I found myself knowing lots about motorsport and just a bit frustrated how there were lots of things happening but it was a bit like the wild west there was no regulation or structure around it and in some instances it was doing more harm than good and if you if you dangle a thing under a under a lad's nose you know do you want to come and do the dakar yeah. do you want to go to le mans do you want to 
you know, come and, and race a Ferrari, they will throw themselves at it wholeheartedly. But they're also at a point where they're probably at their most vulnerable in their lives. Yeah. They might even be technically a vulnerable adult as far as legislation is concerned. And if you take somebody um, hill rallying because they're they're on the promise because they want to go and do Dakar, which of course you know mm. is running at the moment, you know what a what an amazing thing for them to go and do. But if you have a double amputee who's back in Queen Elizabeth's Hospital in Birmingham having extra bits sawn off them as a result of an infection that they've received because yeah. they're hill rallying in Scotland in uh, in really bad conditions and there's no medical risk assessment in place. You're not helping them. Mm-hmm. And seeing, you know, that's a that's not an apocryphal example, that was a real example and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah kind of uh, boiled my piss, I think, is the, <laughs> um, if you excuse the language. Yeah. Um, and I really kind of wanted to to make sure that that you could use that love of the automobile is is incredibly powerful and wonderful. And to use that as a tool for good yeah. has been really what it's all about. But it has to be done with um, responsibility because it's such a powerful draw. And you've got to have the right duty of care in place. Mm-hmm. So it's fine to go and look at an Everest of sport. But if you're looking at an Everest of sport and then looking around going, right, what blokes can we find to allow, you know, to put together a team to go and do something inspirational, you've got to have a big proportion of your effort has to be dedicated towards looking after the blokes themselves. Yeah. And it's not to look after them to allow them to do the Everest of sport, it's to allow them to do the thing that comes after or to support their families or to uh you know and that means that you've you've got to you've got to have a role that that is more about duty of care and it's more about looking after people. Um and that was what Mission Motorsport was formed to do. Yeah. Um and that race retrain recovery is all about yeah, it's sport, but it's using the sport as a tool in order to ultimately help people support their own families. And that's what the organisation does to this day. And it's just a bit weird talking about it, thinking that it's sort of 10 years ten years on. 10 years on, indeed. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the, the early days very clearly. I remember this exciting idea. Um, and I remember it being, it's probably a thought train that's evolved considerably since then. But I think I remember you recalling the the fact that certainly for your regiment it's a very close-knit community you've got blokes yeah. in often one vehicle spending a lot of time together yes. you're all very close getting very yeah. intimate and smelly together and then of course there comes a time where everyone goes home yeah all being well everyone goes home and that question of well, what do we do next and you've got a lot of guys that come to the end of their time serving in the armed forces mm. or in the army um and it's it's what to do with them and i remember you saying that these were guys that you you developed a real bond with, of course, which of course you're going to do. And, you, and for you, it was more a case of you just wanted to make sure that there was something next yeah. for them to do. Yeah, and oh, man, that's certainly true. And it's and it's not just that you uh, you you know you don't just know them. You've you've probably got a pretty good idea of their families mm. and you know the names of their kids, or their dog, yeah. and where they should be going in terms of their career trajectory. And for the ones that have fallen by the wayside for whatever reason, um, they they can often need help. And I think the armed forces are amazing and deeply weird. I mean, it's a very it's an absolute joy that we have them um, for all of the great things that 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 they do. 
Um, but it's a it's a very different culture that's entirely based around that team achieving things and and the organization the group as opposed to the individual within it and then they step out into a world which is um is very different in today's society um of course i mean that you know the second world war on the back of the first world war you had two generations of people who went through incredible deprivation and then that sort of depression of the 1950s that people kind of found their way through and you dig into it and you find sort of stories of people kind of really struggling but you know um people talking about stuff like ptsd mm. or or a sort of disassociation disorder working out where they fit in with society wasn't something that was as spoken about or as well understood as perhaps it is now a sort of part of the lexicon but you had an entire generation of people whether they'd gone away or not, who knew what it was to have gone to war, who had suffered. Mm. You know, I mean, we still had... Um, uh, uh, I, was, I was talking to an elderly relative the other day who was talking about rationing, and I'm like, well, hang on, what, what, what year was this? And it was like 1953. So we still had rationing yeah, yeah. in 53. You know, people had sent their children out of the cities to go and be educated in, um, you know, to, to strange families to, to make them safe from... From bombing, so you you had all of these blokes who came back who were profoundly impacted mm. by what they'd experienced, which is an entirely human reaction. But they came back to a society that had also been profoundly impacted, and I yeah. think that degree of understanding was kind of there. And lots of the stuff which happened around then, um, pub culture, sports as the centre of a lot of things, volunteering used for stuff, are the things that are nowadays largely being uh, are on the wane because they're being replaced by you know netflix xbox yeah supermarket booze delivered to your doorstep you haven't even gone to the supermarket to be able to go and get it and you lose some of those things that are around community but you know here we are we're sat in caffeine and machine which is something that you know sort of phil and dan's vision since the beginning I never really understood because I remember mm. coming here when you know we were still pulling the kitchen apart at the back and <laughs> the old bar right. was still downstairs and yeah and you just thought what has this madman done <laughs> but he had this weird vision about how it would be the center and the catalyst for lots of great things to happen and he knew that if you put the right thing in the middle and then community would form around it and it's we use that same sort of thing. Mm. If we can help people to feel part of a community and feel supported, that bit where you leave the forces is a bit of a shock. And a lot of guys and girls will not struggle at all. They they will, you know, they'll they'll get out and they might bounce off a couple of things on the way, but they'll mm. go and be great successes. But for those that falter, um, organisations like ours are, are the ones that are there to just try and help them to find the help that they need. Yeah. And a lot of which we don't provide, but um, there's a very simple conceit at the centre of Mission Motorsport, particularly uh, on the on the recovery sports side, which is if you sort of say to people, hey, you know, do you want to come in March where it's probably going to be drizzling to a former <laughs> RAF base to meet lots of people that you don't know, you haven't necessarily served with, you, you know, you might not like a few of them, and then we're going to scare the living daylights out of you. Um and then we're going to patronise you. We're going to ask you some questions about the state of your relationship, your home, your financial life, all of the rest of it, and how you're getting on with that. Um, we'll do some mechanical tasks with you that you might find either massively beyond you or way beneath you. 
and we're all going to have a group hug and talk about PTSD. <laughs> they wouldn't come near you with a barge pole. You know? no. like, they're not interested. But if you say, you know, who wants to come to Silverstone, meet Jensen Button and learn to drift, and you're managing the queue. Yeah. And what we're actually doing with people is, of course, all of the things that I mentioned before. And we're kind of quite open and honest about it. Mm. Um, and in that way, actually, we get, it, we get the most lovely kind of responses from people. And it, it can be a really useful draw. The thing that has developed, so, I mean, you remember those kind of early days. Race Retrain Recover has been there since the beginning. You yeah. always knew you could use sport to be able to help people, ultimately to support their families. Mm. And we had some really good examples of people who'd done that. Um, uh, from from really sort of early work, you know, where where we we'd managed to be really successful. What we hadn't anticipated was just how much that could grow, and how it could become a model for other industry areas as well, which is yeah. is quite extraordinary for us. It is, and it it is incredible ha- having again as a bystander, someone that's been around, watching from the wings since the early days. It's been amazing to watch how everything has evolved, not only how the, the charity has grown. But how, as you say, they, those your comments about just bringing a, a little glimpse of normality to people. Mm. We've done so many of these wonderful days where um, the, the invitational track days is a perfect example. So, yeah. to explain this to uh, to you, the listener, we put together these days where we might hire a circuit, say Goodwood. Yeah. Um, a whole bunch of guys and girls will get invited who have fairly interesting cars, and the premise of you, you're invited to come and drive on this track day on the one condition that you give up your passenger seat mm. for the day. So what you end up doing is giving three or four hot laps yeah. to a beneficiary of the charity. And I think on my first day doing it, I remember thinking, well, I, I assumed that I'd be driving around blokes and girls, amputees, PTSD sufferers exclusively, yeah. and that would be it, and I'd be struggling to know what to talk about. But of course, the reality of, of, of the day is you get there, and yes, you have got, some guys and girls that have suffered some physical injuries. Yeah. You've got an awful lot of guys and girls that have suffered some mental in, uh, mental injuries, perhaps not quite yeah, the right no, word to use, yeah. uh, but things like PTSD. But you've also got the girlfriends, the wives, mm. the dads, the mums, the yeah. kids in some respects, yeah, which is exciting. And it wasn't just a day to give the servicemen and women a day out. It was a day to bring a family together. And I recall, I think my very first day it was. It must have been a Goodwood day, and I had this bizarre. Because you work through a queue. There's yeah. a queue of beneficiaries with a queue of cars. You never know who you're going to get paired up with. You're sat there in your car, so I'm there in my car, helmet on, harnesses on. Somebody will open the door and go, "Right, this is Dave. Dave's going to sit in with you. Off you go." And for four laps, you get to know Dave, and Dave gets to know you, and you have a chat. And and I think this guy's name was Dave. And bearing in mind, probably had. 10 before, there would have been 10 after. And the 11th after Dave was Dave's girlfriend. Oh, wow. And Dave's girlfriend had been with Dave since he was serving. Dave had been through a pretty hard time. He'd lost a few friends. He was having a really, really difficult time. But it was great driving with Dave. Had a wonderful chat. The amazing thing for me was Dave's girlfriend, who got in the car, she didn't say anything. And I said, you know, if we, I like to work on a system of hand signals. Yes. It all gets a bit noisy. So if you're having a good time, I'll give you a little thumbs up. Just reply with a thumbs up. If you hate it, just give me a thumbs down and I'll know to slow down. We drove around. She was saying nothing. There was no, no squeals, no screams, nothing. So I gave the little... They're always okay the weird ones, up. aren't they? Yeah. And you're trying to gauge, <laughs> yeah. is this okay? Anyway, 
we'd gone around, thumbs up, got the thumbs up back, like that was fine. It was on the cool down lap as we were coming in. I looked across, I said, are you having a good day? Is it, you know, everything okay? She said, yeah. She said, you know what? This is, a, this is such an amazing day. And there I was thinking she was talking about my driving. Obviously she wasn't. Yeah. She said it's the first time. Your line into Fordwater, she said, was <laughs> the best she's ever seen since the first revival. She's never seen anybody go in that committed in an M coupe. Sorry. Sorry, we went off at a tangent, but we'll come back. <laughs> yeah, if only. If only. Um, no, and, and what she said, she said, you know, today's been such an amazing day because it's the first time I've seen Dave come back to life yeah. in the sense of he's so happy. He's mm. surrounded by like-minded guys and girls. He's surrounded by cars, which he loves. He's been out in everything from, a, I think there was a Carrera GT. I think there was a McLaren F1 on this particular day. There, we had the most incredible collection of cars. Yeah, and then you'd have, uh, yeah, with an invitation also, you'd also have the odd Bentley blower there. Yeah. Bugatti 35B, yeah. you know, a couple of other bits and pieces. As well, it's like the that. most bonkers, bonkers yeah track day environment ever because yeah as you say you've got everything but that comment stuck with me so massively more so than the conversations that I'd had and a lot of the guys and the girls will open up massively in that space of time and I don't know if it's because it's you know you're in there for three or four laps which equates to maybe six minutes and tops from the time you pulled out the pit lane to the time you get back in and you shake hands thanks very much have a great day see you later and in that time you can gauge so much about somebody you can see where they're struggling and some people don't want to talk about stuff and some people do. And you just embrace whatever people want to talk about. Absolutely. And it's such an incredible... I'm always, always delighted to do these days. because It's, it's, it's one of the amazing. things. So, I mean, I go and do the safety brief at the beginning. Well, I don't do the whole of the safety brief. So I let, you know, <laughs> I, I let somebody who's got a finer eye for detail than, than I do gets to do <laughs> that. But I'll go and sort of read the, the riot act at the beginning. And you make really clear to those who are, who are driving those, the, these guys and girls around, you know, you are... You're responsible for bringing them back yeah. in the same state that they went away, or better. You know, so we we can't have any offs or pissing about all the rest of it. Driving standards have to be really high. But the big thing I encourage people to do is to talk to them. Mm. So you know, use the time in order to be able to talk to them. And it's something about so you drop somebody, and you know, I mean, examples like that day, you know, we will have minibuses come up from Plymouth from the yeah, recovery centres right, down yeah. there. We'll have folk come down from Glasgow, you know, Kez Bradley's been down a couple of times, you know, and collecting people on the way. So you've got beneficiaries sharing rides coming from across the country to mm-hmm. coalesce on the south coast at Goodwood in that example for that day. Um, and you've got all of these wonderful people who've come from all of that distance. For the drivers, I'm like, you know, if you paid, if you paid tax, get your money's worth, you know, go and have a conversation mm-hmm. with these people. Find out where your tax money's gone because, yeah. you know, that's, that's what sent them abroad and given them the education they have. Um, but it, it gets rid of all the barriers, doesn't it? So yeah. there, there's a thing, you know, if you, if you try and get men to talk, um, they'll really struggle. But if you give them a fishing rod, then they'll talk all day and they'll sit because you've given them a purpose and a task yeah. to do. And then suddenly they can do it. And, I, and things, days like the invitation are that, but taken on to a different level. Because everything from helping somebody get into a car to getting strapped into what the hell is this? Who the hell are you? What are we doing here? What brings you here? You get rid of so much of, and you're not facing each other, you're sat alongside each other. That's right, yeah. And you've got a helmet on, and it all feels quite alien, but it's exciting, and it's brilliant, and that tends to get, and if they're not talking to you before, by God, they're talking to you at the end. Mm, you know, when right. you, you come in and you just have that wonderful sort of shared experience, which is great. 
And it helps people just open up. And the invitational is just a socialization exercise at its most simple. And you're putting together populations of people whose Venn diagram would never cross otherwise. And we, we do it with increasing amounts of deliberacy in terms of making sure that uh, the former Royal Marine who is really lost mm. meets the bloke who is formerly a Royal Marine. Yeah. Um, who's now tremendously successful or has the family history in that sort of way. You know, and we've had, so through the Invitational, I think we, we ran the eighth Invitational at Goodwood recently, mm-hmm. um, which, which was just a, a joyous event to be able to run because you look back on those and the number of people who found jobs through it, the number of yeah. people who found training opportunities through it, the number of people actually the wives got employed through it because you just join that up, they're settling into the right part of the world and you've got... You know, somebody in a uh, in a Ferrari, but they're a big employer. These are all captains of industry, you know, yeah. all of the rest of it. And that, so you're joining different bits and pieces up like that. And we've even had, you know, sort of people fall in love and then have children through it. And that's really weird when you've got genuine sort of generations of activity like that. And at the core of it all, it's just a track day. That's yeah. all it is. I mean, it's not, you know, how special can it be? But it's the, the way in which we design it. And as as things like that have sort of progressed and got bigger... Um, Race of Remembrance is an incredible sort of ultimate example of that. Um, at the end of the day, though, that's just a race weekend. Mm-hmm. But all of the stuff that we play around the outside of it makes it feel very different. And and to be honest, that's part of my job is to make sure that um, uh, the commercial interests or anything else don't ever eclipse what is at its core ultimately all about human beings and yeah. interactions in between people. Um uh, which is is fundamentally what it's all about, and it, it's the thing that we can still do, and we do do really really well. So, yeah, I think we've got a lot of pride in those events. It, but it's it's such a cool way, as a charity, to be able to bring people right up alongside your work and uh, uh, not tell them what it's about. They see for themselves because they yeah. go away from it. Yeah, and they know <laughs> they know what it's That's all about. It. And I bet those conversations in the minibuses on the way home. Yeah, are electric in comparison to the conversations on the way to the circuit. Yeah, completely, and that, and and that's what that race retrain recover thing. So you, mm-hmm. if you can light that light bulb off, if you can if you can set that up, and it doesn't, I don't, I'm, you know, it's not about putting people into jobs in automotive industry. I couldn't give a couldn't care less where they end up working, yeah. as long as they're happy, and as long as it it works. I mean, so one one of our guys really early on, he'd done. Um, I mean, Will Madden was sort of a quite a famous example because he'd been blown up earlier in the year in 2011. It was around about this time. Um, Will had been blown up, age 19, and then he'd found himself plucked um, plucked to go to, um, I think we are at Donington. So we did a round of the Lotus Elise Trophy, um, thanks to support of sponsors. Mm. With another guy who'd been blown up, Will Madden was one of the guys who was on the was on the crew for that. As the race team were trying to leave at the end of the day, they couldn't get the um, uh, the ramp at the back of the truck to work properly. Right. And this lad, nineteen years old, well, I think he'd be twenty by that point. They'd done a bit of hydraulics on his learn to drive a tank course, basically, mm-hmm. and so he took the back off the truck, tinkered about, made it work. The race team thought he was fantastic because they got to go home on the Sunday and didn't have to do another night in a hotel and go back on the Monday. And they gave us a ring a couple of weeks later and said, look, we're down a mechanic for Barcelona. Would he like to come? Wow. 
And so he went out and did the Barcelona 24. He flew back. His mum washed his kit for him and he reported straight to Silverstone and he was the number one right-hand wheel, wheelman being trained up by Jota to run a works MX-5. And this is 2011. So yeah, yeah this was really, really sharp when we'd sort of come back. And then was offered a job at three in the morning by um, <laughs> Sam Hignett, the head, of, the head of Jota, who went, you know, I get any number of applications from you know, blokes who've got a degree in motorsports engineering from the University of God knows where, but, at, you know, three in the morning and he'd seen how these guys were performing, you know, that's that's what I want. You know, I want you. And it's at times like that, that was the real formative time for, you know, Mission Motorsport didn't exist at that time. And mm -hmm. you just go, crikey, this is great. Mm -hmm. We can't just let it be an accident. And one of the other guys who was part of that team with him was also leaving the army tail end of that year. And... Uh, uh, and his wife had said to him, um, we're not moving house. So the army's had us and we've moved X number of times. Where we live right now, which is near Tidworth, so uh, Thruxton, basically, yeah, one yeah. of the closest villages to Thruxton, Shipton, Bellinger. Kids are happy in school. I like where we're living. I'm not moving the kids' school. You need to get a job, which allows us to stay living in Shipton, Bellinger, which, of course, is kind of an expensive part mm. of the world. So he used his um, resettlement credits to retrain as a plumber. Right, and then had applied for this job as recently qualified plumber. 120 people had applied for the same job, and it was with Aspire who did facilities management actually for the big barracks there. Um, and uh, it was during his interview, and he had a letter from Bob Neville, who runs RJN, so currently Jensen Button's race team, but mm -hmm. formerly you know ran, yeah. ran all of the uh, the Nissan work GT3 race output. And they sort of went, you know, why the hell have you got... Because his CV was rubbish, you know, because it sort of <laughs> went to school, bit of a gap, just trained as a plumber, some army in the middle that no one understands. But why on earth have you got a letter of recommendation from Bob Neville? And someone on that panel knew, knew a bit of endurance racing. And, uh, and right. so they just talked about, they just talked about um, endurance racing for, for, his, uh, <laughs> for his 20 minutes of, uh, of fame that he, that he, he had in his, in his interview. And he was the one who got the job over and above the 100 pom people who'd apply for it, um, uh, which allowed him to keep his family in the same place, got a house in Shipton, Bellinger, kids stayed in school, all the rest of it. And he was, no, I don't care what they end up doing. They don't all well, have to end up working for, you know, Jaguar Land Rover or Aston or Lotus or any of those mm. things. You know, they don't have to work in the automotive industry. I don't care. But it's whatever you can do to help them network, see themselves in a different light and, yeah. and wake up in the morning with a sense of purpose and meaning. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think that's all all of us want, isn't it? Absolutely right. There Absolutely. 
the Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. So let's talk about that employment side of things. So obviously, that that ultimately was a happy accident, wasn't it? That process of getting somebody in right place, right time. I can do that. Hands-on tools done. Yeah, and that resulted in a job. Employment for the charity as as part of its purpose. That was a big part of the initial program wasn't it It was also again going back to you've got your blokes in your vehicles yes you know they're coming to the end of their career and you want to know that they've got somewhere to go when they get their their final letter you know it's time for you to go what do you do next and i guess you were you were commanding officer weren't you you were you were head of the well i you know so i've done some weird tank stuff so my formal (laughs) education um leading armored formations in the desert so i'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty comfortable at doing some of that stuff. Um, but there aren't many jobs commanding Challenger 2s in civilian street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, Which but is it's, a shame. It, 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 frankly, <laughs> it's something I bemoan every day. There's, um, um, but it's sort of getting out of that mindset and realising that there's loads of opportunities for Challenger 2 tank commanders yes. in civvy street. It's just none of them happen to be having anything to do with Challenger 2. Yeah. So, and it's, it's changing people's sort of mindset. And the other thing is is trying to help the outside world to kind of recognise that these people are a bit different mm-hmm. culturally, and that actually puts them at a disadvantage for some. So um, civilian HR techniques are, you know, re- rely heavily on stuff like uh, the CV mm. or, or the psychometric testing questions, you know, which are set around things, and performance at interview. And um, our blokes... You know, from the moment they joined the military. There's some differences in between different bits of the three services, so I'll generalise. But on week one, day one of training, they're stopping you talking about I and instead talk about we. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really difficult when somebody's come through and it's very countercultural to big yourself up to talk about how you were the inspirational character. You were the only one who's done this. You were the only one who's, who's done the other. And that, talking about yourself in the first person on such a level is is very much how you go about producing a powerful CV, mm. answering the punchy interview questions. Give us an example of where you were the pivotal one who did this, that, and the other. And if the first word out of your mouth is we, yeah. it, it, it kind of weakens it. And we just had, or we've had some really good examples of this of late, of, of service folk who were just completely inarticulate at being able to express what they do, have done, and are able to do. Um, because... Uh, in the army, I never wrote about myself in the first person. Mm-hmm. Even as an officer and coming through, you, you don't do it on your annual reporting. You don't do it on a promotion course. You don't do it, you know, as a qualification. You never write about yourself in the first person. And the only time you would do it is if you you are told, uh, dicked to, you know, write an article for the regimental journal. <laughs> At which point, all of your mates will take the piss out of you and you'll get crated for it because there's a picture of you in the regimental journal and you talked about yourself. So it's really countercultural then to be able to put, you know, to, to shoehorn that into HR process. And there's always a bit of um, the military um, trying to educate its people at the end of their career mm. to be able to do the HR stuff, to write a good CV and to be able to perform well at interview. And it's, it's almost always delivered by civilians. Um, and indeed, military people are the worst people at doing it. So mm. it should be delivered by civilians. And therefore, is regarded with a certain amount of distrust um, by, <laughs> by those who've served. 
Um, and it also, uh, and ultimately starting from a position which is behind where, where there are others would be, because it's very countercultural. So some of the work we've been really successful with, and an example of this was Jaguar Land Rover. So, I mean, JLR uh, sponsored the first Invictus Games in 2014, which was amazing. And the first Invictus Games came along um, and was a surprise to everybody, not least MOD. And it was genuinely because Prince Harry went over to the States, visited the Warrior Games, and completely went off script. <laughs> so the press loved him because he went and did what Harry does brilliantly, which was he went and, and sort of spent time with the blokes and girls. Yeah. Um, and he, he's incredibly good. He's very at home with that sort of thing. He's incredibly personable. And the Americans found that really quite strange because they weren't expecting a prince to relate course, so yeah. well with. And uh, Harry stood up and at the end of it went, you know, we're very much looking forward to welcoming you all back to the UK to a similar event very soon. And consequently was carpeted when he came back by Colonel David <laughs> Norris, who was who ran disabled and adaptive sport in, in the MOD, who was like, what the hell have you committed us to? <laughs> this doesn't exist. It doesn't have a name. We don't yeah. have a budget. No one knows what this looks like. And that was on the Monday. <laughs> on the Thursday, Colonel David Norris was um, uh, called into Kensington Palace in order to explain how the MOD was going to realise Prince Harry's vision for this wow. Games for the Wounded in the UK. <laughs> it came about really fast. Jaguar Land Rover had absolutely lent into it, their mm. presenting partner, um, and as a result, you've got things like, uh, and it worked really well for them. You know, it was it, it was fantastic. And there was a certain amount of that being pulled apart afterwards. Um, and uh, and I interrupted a very high level meeting. Um, it was the HR director was saying, look, in line with the chief executive's direction, we are absolutely committed to hiring people from this source. You know, we're committed to veterans and particularly those who are wounded, injured, and sick. And I was the one who put my hand up at the back of the room and said, look, I'm. Really interesting you say that, but um, your HR processes are custom designed to exclude service people. You just don't realize you're doing it. And there was yeah. this awful silence in the room. Everyone turns around like, who's this guy? Mm. Um, but um, a, a lot of those sort of HR things, if you're screening by degree, if you're screening by prior industry experience, if you're screening by um, uh, any of the measures which would um, disadvantage our foreign and Commonwealth soldiers, um, then you're screening out a whole source of quality people because you're using the wrong tools to, to kind of do it. So what we've been really quite successful at is being able to help industry to develop mechanisms so that they can fish for the quality in a pool that otherwise they, their processes would kind of exclude them from. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in times when we're approaching full employment in the country, you know, um, uh, if you want a job right now, there are options for you. You know, um, there, there is lots of opportunity out there. Um, to be able to fish from that pot of quality people is is really attractive to companies. So if we can make the commercial case for a company to bother to do armed forces engagement, mm. and we can show them how if they link their CSR policy to an HR activity, if they link corporate behavior, brand behavior, to stuff that works well across other areas of the business, um, it's uh, it's something that can be really positive for them, and of course JLR, you know, very much seen as exemplars of it, which are fantastic. And you know, I um, well, I didn't turn up here today because a beneficiary turned up here today in in it yeah. in, in driving it. You know, you're seeing a a Lotus as as this next generation poppy car, um, and uh, there's a whole host of other companies out there that are doing just fantastic work, some really good stuff. And 
to be honest, that rather than the sort of engaging, you know, track days with your mates bit, mm. I don't get to do that very much. I spend an awful lot of time, <laughs> uh, you know, doing PowerPoint presentations, Teams calls, you know, and yeah. hoofing around the country talking to um, across the automotive industry. Yeah. That, um, that transition of getting blokes into jobs in the civilian world, how has that evolved? Because, and the reason I asked that is because, so you mentioned that brilliant, you gave a brilliant anecdote about that inability, not so much an inability, but just lack of experience in having any self-promotion. Yeah, as you say, going absolutely. in and talking about me, myself, and I. There's one story in particular that is very close to home for me, um, and I'm, I hope James won't mind me mentioning his name, but uh, James Webley. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, I've heard of him. You ha- yeah, I, you might have met James. Yeah, James Webley, who um, I think at the time where James was on your books as one of the blokes... Yeah, came fresh out of the yes. army, uh, he did some work for the charity for a bit, didn't he? And he yeah, and he, he, was, he was our workshop manager for eighteen months. Yeah, yeah, and then he am I right in saying he was one of the first, if not the first, officially put into employment through the program? Is that I right? think he he was certainly our first into SVO. He was the he was yeah. the first to go across that. Yeah, which was was very cool. So I didn't know James particularly well at that point, um, and again, this is where. The, uh, we've met, we mentioned the very small world of of the automotive space time and time again on our podcast, but this is a, this is a key example of this. So James and I didn't know each other, but at this point I knew you and I mm. had been doing stuff with the charity. James was very much part of the charity, so we would have been in the same place at the same time, doing certain things. But James and I have now become very very good friends. In fact, to the point where for a good good few years we were living meters apart from each other. He hasn't touched you, has he? Uh, he has, but it's all been consentful, so that's okay. That's okay. Um, and he, 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 he won't mind me telling that story another time. No, it's the beard. It is the beard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, but James, uh, so the reason I wanted to mention James is because of that. There's a wonderful story about James's first day on the job in his <laughs> civilian role, where James had gone into SVM uh, in a fairly senior role, yeah. um, engineering building some of the most incredible cars um and again i think this was at a time where svo was still a fairly new brand for mm. the car world yeah very much so, yeah. it was it was like oh jaguar land rover has suddenly got an m division or an amg division they're yeah, making yeah, yeah. the best a of the best skunk stuff. works department yeah. doing cool stuff yeah and i think james went in on on his first day got into a shouting match with somebody, slapped a mobile phone out of somebody else's hand. Yes, he did, yes. Yeah, he did. And, and, had, met his, and had met the union representative by the end of the day because I, I got a phone call going, what's the union representative? I'm like, oh my God, what have you done? But uh, that is a perfect example of, I think, just how... It's a bit of changing culture. A very big changing culture. And I yeah. think this is something that so many people fail, unless you've had exposure to military or you've got friends and family that have served. And you've been through that transition of going from a military mindset where it is a team, everything's about team, everything's about a community of people. If something needs to get done, it just gets done. Yeah. There's no, you and don't you have just six meetings about it. No. You don't go through a process of, oh, well, let's just see what HR say. Let's just see if I can run it past health and safety. You just get it done. You yeah. get the job done. So for a lot of people, this is one of the hardest parts. It's suddenly going into that very first day. You've got through the interview bit. You've got through the presentation bit. That's All that stuff's really, really difficult. And suddenly you're there in this job with a load of people that don't think the way that you think. Yeah. You and want to get something done. And when it's not getting done in the way you want to get it done, and you're of, I'm okay. going to say, of rank, because you're perhaps a slightly higher up on the payroll than they are, 
you shout in the way that you have been <laughs> shouted at and shouted at others for many years. And it doesn't work like that, does it? Oh, I don't, yeah. I mean, um, I d- there's not that much shouting really happens in the military these days. They're extremely fluffy. Um, <laughs> but it can be frustrating because people's um, responses to things are different and mm. the way in which they're, they're wired are different. The way we get around it is... Um, so Weber's was fantastic during his, and I mean, he did best part of two years. So, I mean, he built, he built a bunch of things, didn't he? So he was on the, the tail end of Project 8, but then was building the I-Pace yep. race cars yep. that were racing in support to Formula E. Um, did a, yeah, did a bunch of, of really cool stuff when he was there. And he was one of the guys that we were then leaning on to host people who were going on placements. Mm-hmm. So they were getting the opportunity to go and have a look behind the scenes to sort of learn a bit about what it sort of means to be a civilian and, and to understand the different ways in which people tick. I mean, y- y- the military's talked about is, yeah, no, the way in which they do things is fantastic and it's brilliant. And, and yes, there can be lots of fantastic things about it, you know, but there's also quite a lot of different things about it. And some of those aren't necessarily um, aren't necessarily what you want or need. So to be able to help people just get out of, uh, out of one mindset into something else so that they can be successful and they can thrive um, is a really important thing. And we use placements to place people in industry a lot. And that can be fantastic for industry because it's almost like a try before you buy. You know, you get the opportunity to have somebody who the MOD is still paying for coming mm. into your organization, um, which can be really brilliant for both sides in order to be able to have a look at each other. And the other way we do it is through community. Um, uh, and that community can be another veteran who's working in the organization who helps provide a bit of mentoring or it can just be somebody who's part of an armed forces network and uh and who's giving a bit of their own time in order to be able to support somebody who's on on this transition journey talking about the sort of transition in that uh, mm. from from the military to the civilian thing um uh, and ultimately our job is it, it's a bit weird i think we're a bit different to a lot of service charities because our focus is very much on making people successful civilians. Yes. And it's not about going, look at how ruined and broken these poor people are. Look at the terrible time in which they've had, you know, all of this. We're very much about celebrating the positives of that and harnessing this wonderful human potential that we've all paid for mm-hmm. um, and going, well, okay, how can we use that? Because if we allow them to be... Um, uh, underemployed or or you know or unemployed or under a bridge or worse a suicide statistic then we're letting ourselves down as a nation uh for these people who've who've done a lot for us and and it, it, they've still got an awful lot more to give so anything that we can do to be able to help support them on that journey is fantastic and for us it's i mean for me it's incredibly rewarding i mean we get to do some cool stuff so um uh you know we've sort of got um, support from the Royal Foundation through through some of the big work we do. We're about to launch Mission Renewable, um, picking things up and helping people do skills transition into green jobs and green careers. You know, cool. the next big thing is all about you know whether it's offshore wind or solar or mm-hmm. ground source heat pump engineering. You know, all of the rest of it. These are fantastic jobs for people for life, and that's really cool. You get to do that. The Invictus Games and all of the shiny side of stuff, all really exciting. Um, it's the little low-level victories, which are still the thing that I th- that I enjoy and love the most. And it's one of the cool things about my job. So I do spend an awful lot of time doing PowerPoint and talking nonsense. <laughs> um, but I, I get these lovely windows into 
being able to come alongside the charity's work. And it's still the joyous thing, really, is that I get to spend time with blokes like James. Yeah. Because um, that's a massive privilege. It's yeah. it's fantastic, and I and I adore that. So yeah, I'm I'm a lucky bloke. That's nice. One of the questions I was going to ask you in this conversation was, you know, given the role that you have, what is the what is it that makes makes you most proud? What is it the thing that you enjoy most? And it, it sounds like it's that. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, it it. I mean, clearly, I'm still a petrol head. I'm going to drive back in a, a Lotus Exige 430 Cup, <laughs> the final ones off the line. The most extreme end of that, you know, was it 30 years of the, the Elise? You know, it's the, yeah, ultimate, it is, yeah. the ultimate incarnation of that, you know, and one of the very last ones that come, came off the line. Um, Lotus, of course, are doing amazing things. They're, they're you know, uh, a whole injection of Geely can do and, uh, uh, and funding is allowing them just to take, take things on to the next level. Um, uh, I, I can tell you one Lotus anecdote that I just absolutely adore. Um, you know, I mean, they've all been crapping themselves about how a mirror was going to be received. I mean, yeah. that's a big roll of the dice for the company. Huge. And when you look at it objectively and you go, right, well, you know, there, there's no electricity involved in this thing at all. You know, mm. it's an internal combustion launch. You know, it, is it kind of, is it going to work? And they produce this thing where, I mean, looks are subjective, aren't they? But, oh my God, they built their website to be able to handle global ridiculous traffic and yeah. it still got taken down yeah um they uh, uh you know were hoping to take a certain level of deposits and they exceeded that by a country mile mm. um uh that's really exciting times for the company they need to almost double in terms of the number of people yeah working in the uk as part of lotus group and particularly that home sports car engineering so it's great they need great people of quality you know, kind of where do they get them from? And part of it for them has been reconnecting with some of their armed forces routes. They've got to let a lot of veterans who are working for the company yeah. and people who, who are of that background or have got family or relations to. So for them to be able to tip into that audience as well has been really important. And so uh, as we help them develop their armed forces engagement scheme, you know, a lightning conductor, something to really go, you know, hey, Lotus are here and they're doing something cool in that space has been uh, the production of the poppy car. And mm -hmm. in the same way you were talking about um, what turns people on and what engages people, um, uh, a poppy car is an art car. It's a, it's a moving art installation. Um, and so we've got a bunch of beneficiaries who we'd reached out to who'd been involved in the previous two generations of the poppy car. First one we did was Mark IV MX-5, the first... Yeah. First one built as a race car in the UK is a 1.5 car that Chris Harris raced at Race of Remembrance. Yep. And then the next one was the SVR. And we did the car that's on the side of the factory at Castle Bromwich and the SVR. And that was 2017. And we were supposed to give it back at the end of November 2017. And we still had it, I think, in 2020. So 32 beneficiaries did more than 180 miles an hour down the runway at Coningsby in that car. <laughs> That was just absolutely what a, an, a glorious project that was. And to do another one was um, was a bit intimidating because yeah, I think you, you've just got to kind of get that right. You don't want to you don't want to produce something that's that's just a bit naff or a bit rubbish. It has to be right. And so we um, 
you know, don't have any professional formal art designers or anything else like that who are involved in the making of it. It was a bunch of beneficiaries who are all using art therapy at different levels in parts of their own recovery right. in order to be able to come up with it. And they came up with this incredible sort of chrome design. And the car turns up, the car is bright green. I mean, <laughs> like... As green as it can be. As green as green can be. <laughs> oh, my God. So... Um, and then a, a team of guys and girls have then have then done the livery of it. So it's covered in thousands of poppies that mm. sort of cascade from the front round round to the back. So the back of them is just coated in these in these poppies. There are thousands on there, and each one is hand placed. It's not a sort of wow. printed wrap that's then stuck on. Yeah. So the car's kind of been wrapped in this chrome color, and then it gets these poppies over the side. And then their way of there there was there was a lot of talk around names or faces or being able to do that in and in the end the thing that's been settled for is in the thousands of poppies there are 635 poppies on there that that are reflective so they light up in the mm. same way that the svr's ones do so um the job of that car was to be safety car for race of remembrance um just gone and that's a race that runs into the dark in anglesey and yeah. then through the day the following day um and it just looks amazing because it looks one way in daylight you know mm. very chrome very shiny all of the rest of it and then at night and you see it picked out by the headlights of other vehicles and you just see these sort of 635 little poppies just, just kind of glowing on it and it looks absolutely amazing. And it's just been the wonderful, most wonderful tool to engage with the really artistic designers and then the very practical guys who are learning to do livery and we've got people who are now professionally working. Mm. As, uh, you know, over the generations, we've, we've been putting people into livery jobs because it's just one of those growing industries that's kind of cool. Um, and then it's also been this sort of lightning conductor for Lotus themselves to bring their veterans out of the woodwork so that we can use them, harness that community then to bring Great. other other people in behind them into this amazing British company that's doing incredibly exciting things um, in Hethel and now in the West Midlands as well. Indeed, yeah, just a few miles from here, we've got the, one of their engineering centres, which is incredible. It's really, yeah, really exciting, really exciting. I mean, it's one of the things about Caffeine and Machine, though, isn't it, sat here, is because you will always be sat in this place and there'll be cars sort of pulling up and um, uh, with manufacturer plates on. Yes. You tend to see quite a few times. But also as you sit here, you will spot there's an awful lot of people out of the car industry. Yeah, completely. Who yeah. who come around here. And you, but you always used to see it. You, it I always like visiting car companies because you gauge the level of enthusiasm by mm. the state of the, the, um, yeah. the car park where, you, car where you walk through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's... It's all sort of stuff, you know, like Toyota at Halewood, you know, where some lunatic's got a um, uh, a three five five copy made out of an MRT, you know, which is one of the young lads on the line. But God, he's enthusiastic about it, and it's yeah. great, and it's it, it's just brilliant. I used to walk into Whitley, and you're just counting the sort of Mark One MX fives that clearly have of had course, suspension yeah, work done. Yeah, E thirty nine M five, my old one. Oh, I used to live in there as well. I used to get to come visit it. Um, yeah, and it's and this is one of those places where that community comes together and meets, isn't it? Mm. And you've got it absolutely is. Yeah, it, it's it's it really is. This yeah, it's become such a a mecca. Really, people can rock up on their own in something fairly unusual. Mm. It doesn't have to be exotic. Just as you say, a Mark One MX Five, and you'll pull up in the car park. There'll be another one. And you go and chat to the driver. Chances are you'll have a mutual friend, or you'll work in the same factory. Or you know, it, it is it is an incredible incredible space. And actually, if they go into the... Um, so we've talked about James Webley, but if, mm. if uh, folk go and walk into uh, the sort of merchandising room downstairs here, yeah, there is an engine block, which is just gorgeous. It's a TVR, came out of TVR power, um, six-cylinder engine block, 
which Webbers has done as a donation block because mm-hmm. we're the supported charity of Caffeine and Machine. Um, and, and Caffeine and Machine support lots of charity throughout lots of different pieces. We've sort of been underlying there since the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, used a lot by beneficiaries who, who both live locally and those who come in and use the place. And um, yeah, so if you're visiting Caffeine and Machine, go and find the uh, find James Webley's engine block. It's a lovely piece of kit. And throw a quid in it. We'd be very grateful. Absolutely. Absolutely right. And also, if you head over into the first teepee, so the teepee that's opposite the main building, and look up, yeah. you'll see three very impressive chandeliers. That, again, is the work of James Webley. Yeah, absolutely. And the pyramids with the, the TVs on it as well. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah, the TV pyramids and that's so, In fact, you can't get away from Joe's Webley in this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, if you've been to Caffeine and Machine... Yeah, that's it. You oh, well, you've opened James a door Webley. using... Yeah, or you've yes, hung your coat on. of course. Oh, God, yeah. No, yeah. We've, we've worked out what he's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, Speed Steel. And, well, Crux works now, isn't it? That James is, James is heading up, making some really, really incredible stuff. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. And then joining him up with, so the Bad Obsession Motorsport guys, who are just yeah. fabrication gods who we've done loads with over the course of the last year. They built a little race car under lockdown. We raced it this year, and then it raced at Race of Remembrance. I think there'll be a video due out about that, mm. that kind of quite soon. But again, it's it's um, joining up communities and just, you know, in, in, I, I have the most fabulously short attention span. Um, <laughs> and, and so, um, uh, but I don't care what it is. It's sort of not my definition of interesting. Mm. It's, if it turns people's lights on um, and it, it allows you to take somebody out of themselves and get them to open up, um, then it's, it's a tool that we'll, we, we will happily use yeah. in order to be able to unlock things in, in, in our population. And the joyous thing about it is, is they just kind of make you really proud. So they go on and do fantastic things and mm. then you see them dipping back in and giving back into the organisation, to yeah. not really to the organisation, but helping others come along behind them. And then... And that sort of supportive community is absolutely what it's about. I must admit, the automotive community has continues to be absolutely joyous. Mm. I think there's there's more increasing awareness of community, and particularly around mental health. And tonight, you absolutely. know, we're here on yeah. we're on a, an evening where there's an "I love you, man," which is which is going on. Um, we, as um, uh, I. I think we're getting much better collectively at talking about stuff that previously um, you wouldn't be prepared to talk about with other people. And it's just good on any number of levels. So um, I I think, you know, anywhere which is sort of driving community and helping people to be more honest about how they really are is, is a fabulous thing. So I'm, uh, yeah. And it's, um, it's always been a really big theme through Caffeine and Machine as well. And it's, it's such a big theme for us. So it's very cool. And we've got, some beneficiaries here tonight here to talk about it here here for Stephen Doby because his journey and that was one with cancer mm. is something that that um, you know there's a significant chunk of our beneficiary audience are on a similar kind of journey as well yeah so um yeah yeah no you're right it, it, it is such a natural partnership the fact that it is the supported charity mission motorsport is the supported charity of capital machine and it is that one word it's community because mm. that is the that is the word i use for both if i talk about caffeine and machine especially if you're describing it to somebody that doesn't has never heard of it might not even be a car person what is it i always see it on your instagram what is it and you say that the easiest way to explain it is it's a pub coffee shop where a community of people come together yep. they don't necessarily know each other but yeah. it's that community that makes it amazing you know i've been here on saturday and sunday mornings 
helping out, just helping with marshalling. You know, my events background, the, guy, the guys get busy. I'll go and put on a high-vis jacket and help them out. Yep. And you, the amount of people that drive in and say, what's the event today? Yes. And the joy I used to get by, in saying, no, 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 there is no event. It's, it's you. It's Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. It's You're Saturday here. morning. <laughs> Hooray. You, it, the reason this looks like an event is because of this amazing community of people that have chosen to come together. And actually, do you know, I think one of the things that, that, that is why I hadn't understood it from the outset but the thing which, you know, Phil was articulating right from the outset, which he got right, was that it wasn't going to be exclusive or sneery mm. or looking down on other sort of things. Because when we group together, we tend to do it around really quite small and exclusive kind of groups where it's easy then to go look at the, you know, it's the People's Front of Judea and the Judean People's Front. <laughs> um, and therefore, you know, my idea of sort of cool cars isn't the same as somebody else's. And so, you know, if, if I'm there in a 1970s 9-11, but somebody turns up in a rat-look VW pickup yeah. that's struggling to make its way up, up, <laughs> up, the, uh, up the very gentle incline in order to be able to get in, it's the fact that it's not judgy in any way at no. all. And you're just like, hey, that's somebody's pride and joy mm. and they love it. And, and through that, they've got a social circle in here. Oh, look, there's a whole load of them coming in. Mm. Yay. Yeah. But it's really cool. And that's what's brought a whole load of people together and their long-suffering partners, other halves, who've been dragged <laughs> along too. Uh, and what you then produce is somewhere that is just around automotive. And it's a much broader kind of pop than that. And, it's, um, and I think that's the thing that, that has just made it kind of, kind of really joyful without being judging. There's nothing worse, is Absolutely. there? Absolutely. And that's, that's where the similarity for me, again, as a, as a bystander, that's how I look at Mission Motorsport because it, yeah. it is this community of people. You don't have to have been, you don't, you don't have to have served to want to be part of it, to no, want no, to no. help, to want to just keep that machine turning. And it is something as simple as turning up to an event, whether you're driving on a track day or you're there to help carry in some equipment for the setup of a show and just mm. sparking up a five, 10 minute conversation with one of the blokes just to talk nonsense about cars or to talk nonsense about the journey there. It's just that little... A, a little role in just turning on a little light bulb or just helping somebody come to terms with the fact that, oh, actually, civilian world's not that bad. Yeah, completely. And ultimately, that's what we're interested in doing is making them successful civilians. Yeah. It's not about looking back and, you know, trying to hark back to, let's connect you with your old networks and all of the rest yeah. of it and try and make your life feel like it did because it's changed, you that's know. It. Yeah, that's another chapter. And, and if you find someone, you know, so... Uh, who's on a bridge above the M40 mm. jumping off. It's not about going, well, what can we connect you to in your past? It's, it's asking the questions about what's missing in your life that you were missing that sense of mm. community and self and purpose and meaning, and how can we then connect you up with stuff? And if that means that it means developing a weird love of rat-look VW Golf <laughs> pickups, and for some reason I've chosen to pick on... Um, but that's your thing, and through yeah. that you've got mates and all of the rest of it, and uh, uh, and it, it's something that that flicks your switches and gives you purpose. Then mega, all power to you. It's Absolutely. great. Yeah, no, really good. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. And it's a, it's a community that everyone's so proud to be part of as well, isn't it? You know, I, I go to car shows or or not even car shows. Yeah, I'll be walking on the road and I will see somebody in a Mission Motorsport hoodie. I want to go and talk to them. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. What's the story? Where'd you get that? And it might be someone that's just bought it for the show. And I remember the but, first time we actually had merchandise of any description was the 
Silverstone 24-hour race in um, 2011. Yeah. No, 2000, no, it must have been 2012. Yeah, so it was Silverstone 24-hour. And, uh, and I was used to, you know, we, we had 18 T-shirts, and I know that because yes. that was all we could afford. So I, they were hanging on 18 people. And then all of a sudden, we had merchandise. And I was just really confused because I, I didn't know who anybody was anymore because <laughs> yeah. everywhere I looked, there were people walking around wearing Mission Motorsport stuff. And I no longer... I no longer knew who everybody was, so it's um, yeah, it's amazing how these things kind of uh, kind of go full circle. But it's um, yeah, quite strange looking back on ten years, thinking Christ, we've been doing this for a decade. Yeah, I bet. I want to just mention before we wrap things up as well some of these key events. So you've mentioned uh, the Race of Remembrance a couple of times. So this is yeah. a, a wonderful event that I've been so lucky to have attended a couple of times. Just the most emotional. I mean, what a roller coaster for adrenaline, emotion exhaustion yes stress weather (laughs) so uh to give i mean you'll you'll do a far better job of talking about the event as i will but all i'll say is a a day and night motorsport event at anglesey in november where it most of the time rains sideways it's the most stupid idea ever (laughs) so um yeah i'm race of remembrance i think this year for the first time has gone truly multi-venue so um, we had go-karters racing at Thruxton. We had Brands Hatch um, uh, stopping in order to do a service of remembrance, having servicemen in the pit lane, families involved, all of the rest of it in a mid, a brick car meeting. Wow. Um, and then there's this sort of 12-hour race that happens in Anglesey, um, uh, six hours into the dark on the Saturday, and then the balance of the race uh, across the Sunday, but interrupted by the thing that it's really all about. And we always sort of say race of remembrance is a remembrance service with a... 12-hour endurance race just wrapped around it. Um, but ultimately, it's about that remembrance service. Um, remembrance weekend, for those who've served, uh, can be a bit weird, all yeah. the way through to being really, really difficult, like a quite a difficult thing to engage with. And um, race remembrance was not my idea. A guy called um, John Earp, who's a helicopter pilot, and was serving at the time, and we, we were given, gifted, uh, the opportunity to use Anglesey for a weekend in November. Um, and... John insisted that instead of just doing a bit of light instruction and going up there with a few cars and perhaps doing some of a track day around it or something like that, we were going to run a major 12-hour endurance race, which was, yeah, I mean, it still is an absolutely ridiculous <laughs> thing. Um, but, you know, 53 teams on the grid sold out, had to apply for an extension to be able to put that many, many teams on the grid for this year. You know, manufacturers taking part. We had Morgan there who were running the first ever hand control. Yeah plus four with a load of our beneficiaries in it, you know, that ended up um, in uh, the New York Times. You know, it's, it's wow. just just extraordinary. So it works on loads of levels for us, uh, but it, at its most glorious, it's a wonderful experience for, for the beneficiaries we have taking part. Yeah. I think the karting is just wonderful. <laughs> we, we had uh, service teams as well as sort of those who've left and veterans who were karting alongside, alongside others down in Thruxton. That's going to get bigger next year. Um, yeah, I mean, a race of remembrance is a glorious way for people to get engaged. And if you've got a race license and a bit of budget left at the end of the season, there are some amazing ways to go racing in things in ways that you would never believe, including for novices. We always will have novices yes, there. Of course. Um, all the way through to the touring car drivers and the, you know, Frank Kitties of this world who, you know, come along and grace us with their presence and Sir Chris Hoy and Chris Harris and all of the rest of it, you know. Um, it, it, it's become the way that if... 
uh, you're in the UK, that's how you go racing mm. on Remembrance Weekend. Is is that it will have that stop, it will have that pause in the middle of it. But the Anglesey race is really is really compelling. <laughs> ROR's a thing. Uh, I think we're, we're going to run another national transition event, which is the Troops track there at Silverstone. Uh, I think we're shortly going to start advertising that as well. GP circuit Silverstone with using the wing effectively for a kind of career fair, but it's a networking nice. event for veterans. Yep. Uh, to be alongside lots and lots of big companies coming along for, for that. But underneath, uh, we'll run a kind of supercar, lunatic track car event out of the pit lane, putting people out on the GP circuit. That's the 24th of March. Um, the Merrick Cox, who was a chairman of our board of trustees, who, who, who sadly died last year, um, we now have an annual event for him that sat in June in Goodwood, which I think is the 16th of June. Uh, the Invitational is September. Um, I think we're just waiting to confirm exactly what date that is, which is, is lovely. And then into Race of Remembrance. But um, yeah, it's... Uh, and, and then everywhere in between. Team Sport, we run a national go-karting programme so normally every week or every other week we'll be go-karting somewhere around the UK. Three Sisters, a little circuit near Wigan. We run mm. a day there every month uh, for people up in the in the northwest. Um, and uh, race makers for the British Grand Prix. We've got a team of about forty or fifty. It's quite a lot of families do that. Really? Go and help people to enjoy, yeah, enjoy uh, the spectacle that is Formula One. Uh, thanks to Darren Langeveld. You know, there's normally a Nürburgring trip every year, and I think this year we're mixing that with a ridiculous Spa Trek, Nürburgring to Spa kind of fantastic st- stupid cross-country walk, which is something has been done before. Um, but with a thing, uh, I think a, a bit of a battlefield tour thrown in there as well, because that was great. Some significant, yeah, military stuff has happened in that part of the world, which the motorsport world has got no clue about. And yeah, that's right. Vice, well, the, vice the versa. Frankfurt was. Battle of the Bulge, wasn't it? it was the, the completely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and in fact, I mean, uh, in forty one, that was where the Germans came through, which caught everybody right. by surprise. You yeah. know, it was there's no way you could advance through the Ardennes, and they proved that wrong. And that the axis of the advance was basically, if you draw a line between the Nurburgring and Spa, that's that's, that's where right. they all kind of sail through. And you just don't know these days. You know, when yeah. you drive through that part of the world, yeah. it's only the shape of the road signs that that allows you to twig whether you're in you're in Belgium or Germany. Mm. But if you go into the wood blocks, you find lines of Hinkelsteins, you know, anti-tank obstacles and stuff, yeah, yeah. you know, just sort of hidden away, you know, from the, the vestiges of this extraordinary past that we've, we've had in Europe. So, yeah, a bit of that thrown in as well. And um, the Lotus thing is, is just joyous. You know, I think lots more opportunities for people to be able to come there. And we're also seeing job-wise... Um, just amazing opportunity for people across the country, not not just in that sort of centre of manufacturing in the West Midlands. I think dotted about the place as well. Mm. Um, there's there's some significant opportunities. I think it, because we set a world hypermiling record last year, we've developed a bit of an expertise for high voltage stuff, which is one of the things that exists. Of course, yeah, everywhere across the military. It's one of the things that all of automotive desperately needs. Um, the military, of course, use high voltage in exactly the same way that civilians do. Mm-hmm. But instead of referring to everything that's 49 volts or over as high voltage, they use it for things that are over 1,000 volts. Right. There's a slightly different risk profile yeah. for military <laughs> stuff as well. So the sort of four to six to 800 volt range of EVs isn't called high voltage mm. by the military, despite the fact they use those sort of voltages for pretty much all sorts of things. 
So, yeah, just helping people with that translation bit so that they know how they're relevant. <laughs> There's loads more of that sort of stuff coming. And one of the first things that we're doing is educating a load of motorsport rescue and recovery personnel, 120 of them, in a project that we're doing with Motorsport UK. Great. I think we're going to gotta have, have that complete by mid-March because all of a sudden you've got touring cars that have got hybrids in and things like yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're suddenly cascading EV competencies into the motorsport world as well. So that'll keep us busy for a bit too. It sounds like you have got quite a lot on this year. Quite yeah, busy. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then 1st of March, yeah, for our, for our yeah, um, decade, whatever that means. Ten yeah. years. So there'll be people listening, I'm sure, uh, from all different walks of life. There may be some guys and girls listening who perhaps could benefit from the charity. Yeah, What's the easiest way for those guys to get in contact? Yeah, drop us a line. Um, it's uh, go and have a look at the website. We've um, missionmotorsport.org. Dead easy to find. Go and have a navigate around there, but get in touch with the team. Um, if you're a beneficiary is dropping a line, then anyway, by email or pick up the phone and you will get through to somebody who can help. Um, if uh, they don't come back to you immediately, it's just noise. Mm. There are times of the year when we're really, really busy. It's a really small team. And delivering events can really mean that you yeah. peak and trough. Um, don't be offended if nobody's come back to you. It's not because we don't love you. It's just because we're busy. So persist. Just pick up the email, resend it, all of the rest of it yeah. um, uh, in order to rattle away and come through. And we'll do our absolute level best in order to be able to help. Um, uh, and for those who are interested in going, you know, how can I be part of this? This yeah. sounds really cool. I'd like to give some of my time. Yeah, absolutely. Um Drop us a line. And through the website is is the best way, but we're also on all of the sort of social media platforms you'll find. Uh, you'll find bits and pieces, but talking to people um, is always the best way to make it happen. Um, I was going to say as well, utilise that community. Yeah, if, totally. if you don't have a direct in, phone line, website, you know, of, of course go through those official methods, but chances are, if you're ex-military, there'll be somebody, a friend yeah. of a friend perhaps, or a friend who's already got that contact in. Yeah. Likewise, for the other side, if you want to, if you're listening, thinking I want to help, I want to either donate or give my time or do something. If you're in this circle of automotive, which chances are, if you're listening to this, you are you're probably not going to be that far away from. You're me. going to know somebody. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And um, you know, and we're after ins and insight into anywhere where there's opportunity for our beneficiary audience. Yeah. You know, um, and um, you know, and for those who sit outside automotive industry as well, thinking, hey, this would be really good. Um, then we can often steer you in the right direction if we can't help ourselves too. So we're sort of quite well networked into that whole service charity space and also the transitional space as MOD tries to do its best for its people as they leave. Um, yeah, please, you know, get in touch and it would be fantastic. Um, COVID has been really hard. You know, we were, considering about a third of our income comes from event-based stuff. Yeah. When that was wiped out overnight, I had to have some difficult conversations with trustees about how we used our not very large reserves and we use them because mm. um, global pandemic seemed like the right time to really lean into helping. Yeah. Um, so we're hugely grateful for that. Anyone who, who, at whatever level, you know, if you're going to do a cake sale or go for a run, Bill Stein UK, Aaron Quilter, who's a, just a joyous man, um, is going to be doing some running and taking his whole team out and doing some stuff during the course of this year. Um, uh, hey, look, lean into us. We'd love to help you help us. And so anything that we can do to join that sort of stuff up, then please just drop us a line. Perfect. And if you happen to be the managing director of a large automotive manufacturer that wants some blokes... 
Uh, well, you should know who we are by now, for <laughs> yeah. goodness sake. Otherwise, where, your PowerPoints aren't working. <laughs> where have you been? Pay attention, for God's sake. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going I'm to refer to my list to make sure I've, I've crossed off all the things. I mean, I still can't get over this 10-year thing. What on earth do you do next? Is it just a case of oh, keep man. doing what you're doing and grow? Or do you have any ambitions for... Yeah, no, I, um, I... The world has changed a ridiculous amount. So I think if the world still looks exactly the same... Um, it would be, uh, you would probably have got to the point of going, uh, you should probably know everything by now, you know, you're not there yet. But of course, the world has changed to such a dramatic degree um, that uh, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done in, in that whole space of help, particularly helping people sort of leave uh, and leave well. Um, I, we're doing lots more work now with families than we used to. At the Festival of Speed, we hosted 53 uh, family members from Scotty's Little Soldiers, which was a charity that was formed by a widow of a guy who was killed from my regiment in, uh, in Afghanistan, uh, which is all about helping bereaved kids where they've, they've had a parent who, who's died in service. Um, and we, we hosted, uh, I think it was 53 family members to the Festival of Speed on the Saturday, which for me was just uh, like, wow, that was brilliant to be able to do that for Scotty. And um, that, that, was in, that was incredibly cool. Um, I think the new opportunity, electrification, means that the whole world is going through turmoil and change. And wherever change is happening, that also brings opportunity. And so for us, unlocking that for our beneficiary audience is really cool. Um, and then, of course, Mission Renewable is just really exciting. That, that's a... Um, uh, you know, the government is telling us that these are jobs for life for people, you know, that will be the next generation of sort of green careers. So helping do that skills transfer and helping to take some of the lessons we've learned in automotive into into new and exciting fields is really kind of cool. Um, and I Bista is a place that I didn't even mention. You know, we run a monthly event there at Bista Heritage. But as you start to see that Bista motion, mm. bigger vision for the place really kind of expand. Um, there's some significant involvement for us there as well. Um, we're already supporting an awful lot of people who've found work, employment, community, all of the rest of it through through that place too. Um, and so you'll you'll kind of see more through there as well. So yeah, there, there's enough to be keeping me entertained, <laughs> certainly in, in the short term, um, which is joyous. But I'm very grateful for the opportunity to come and have a chat, mate. Oh well, pleasure. It's something we've talked about for quite a long time in the in the, the idea of getting you in and. Yeah, this this has proven like a well, it's a natural a natural spot for us. We would love to do more. Um, any events, anything that comes up in the year, just let's keep in touch because why not come down and maybe Happy do days. some live podcast recordings and talk to some cool people and just again, just as I always have been, wanting to be as involved as as possible, really, because it's just it is such a special thing and it's something I'm very proud to to say I'm a, a very, very, very tiny moving part of it. Yeah, um, mate, it's it's, it's been brilliant and you've really lent in and helped out as well. Um, uh, during some sort of pivotal times, yeah, you know, yeah. When we, uh, which which has been joyous. So, first of March at Thruxton, here you go. You're formally invited, John. Fantastic. We need to see you there. Thank that you. would be that would be really cool. And um, yeah, let's see how 2022 pans out. Absolutely, and beyond. Mm. Well, Jim, thank you so much for your time. Again, just to remind you, dear listener, if you want to be involved, uh, if you want to help, if you want to have a conversation, if you want to just learn more about the charity, missionmotorsport.org is the website you can go to. Have a look on all the social platforms. If you want to follow Jim, because he's 
occasionally quite funny on Twitter. Occasionally. And has an amazing handle, at Tankslider. Yeah, there's a story behind that. Do you want to tell the story? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, I did a lot of extra duties at one point. Having established that, you could drift Challenger 1 really well on cobbles in the snow, um, which was fine. And I, um, uh, yes, and I had an, in, an unfortunate accident. Well, nearly an accident. <laughs> Everyone was fine. No Spaniels were hurt during the making of a... The brigade commander deciding that he was going to go for his walk on the tank park um, right. and finding uh, the orderly officer who was supposed <laughs> to be in charge on a on a long weekend where everyone else had gone home um, doing skids in a tank <laughs> with a couple of corporals who were helping me out to be able to do it. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd yes, tank slider sort of then had, had followed me at different levels, but it became a Twitter handle kind of early on in his duck. That's pretty good. I didn't know that story. Yeah, there you I go. Like there is there is a much more full version you can have at some point over a beer, mate. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Um, as ever, if you would like to uh, engage with us, if you'd like to leave a review or get in contact with the show, um, if in any way that we can be a kind of middleman to to the charity, you can get in contact with all the usual methods. Email address podcast at drivenchat.com and of course direct messages on any of the social media feeds, uh, all of which are currently popping off at the moment we seem to be growing at a fantastic rate which is really exciting so thank you so much for listening uh, both to this but to also to the back catalogue to all of you that are engaging on the social platform sending us emails subscribing on youtube writing comments all that sort of stuff it's very 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 exciting and enables us to do more of this wonderful stuff like talking to jim cameron of mission motorsport thanks mate thank you very much for your time we will speak to you dear listener next week the Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.